Welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and Rob Hayes over the airwaves. How are you in very cold Sheffield? Not as cold as you by the sounds of it because we are recording the podcast for I think the first time ever via internet airwaves rather than a regular phone call because I love talking to you but I'm not paying 20p a minute to phone you while you're in Sweden. Yeah, I'm in Sweden. The World Paranordic Alpine, not Alpine, World Paranordic Skiing Championships. I've said that so many times as well. That's the first time I've actually uh, got it wrong, so that's good. Yeah, commentating over here on uh, people skiing really quickly and through forests and then shooting. And uh, yeah, it's all very good, all very nice. Um, and also, the hotel has a sports bar next to it. Um and so you just walk through into this sports bar with a million screens, probably actually too many screens it's everywhere you look. And so there's lots of ice hockey on and the, the, like the handball and that sort of thing, but also to show all the games. So I've been uh, been watching all the games and I saw an awful lot of the Leicester against Brighton game, actually, because they've been showing the highlights almost in full. So, um, yeah, it's it's all, all very good. Get back in a few days' time after being out here for what, 10 days or so. And uh, yeah, so keeping up to date with what's been going on. And uh, since we last spoke, Rob, uh, Leicester, well, I thought they were going to hold on. <laughs> and let's put it out there right now. I, I thought they were going to hold on. But um, but unfortunately, I was I, mean, I was working at the time. So it was just, you know, flashing up on the screen in terms of the score. And then I've had to go back to actually see the natural results and uh, in, in terms of the performance, etc., and what actually happened, technically, uh, you know, a point against sixth place is is not bad, but it's not what we wanted after being in front. It's a uh, it's a real shame, especially when you're looking at the fixtures to come: uh, away at Villa, at home against Spurs, away at Manchester United, at home against the Arsenal. So by the time we play Southampton away, that's a, a really really tricky run of fixtures. No idea where Leicester will be in the table. Who will be there, etc. It's uh, it's going to be very interesting. But um, defeat to Forest, which was desperately poor, uh, defeating the cup to Newcastle by the same scoreline by two goals to nil, and then two two against Brighton with fixtures coming up in the FA Cup away at Warsaw this weekend. Um, still not on the greatest run of form, Rob. It, it, we needed those three points. As much as I've been quite blasé about it, and you know, oh, it's, oh, it's disappointing. It is disappointing. But looking at it, it, they were two vital points that when we look back on this in three weeks' time, we could actually still be on the same amount of points. Yeah, we could. That's the problem, isn't it? There, no, nobody around us is going on a particular run of form, which is which is a bonus for us because we've not been able to string one together since before the World Cup. But, uh, yeah, it's, on paper, as you said, po- post-match, if you didn't know anything about it and you'd just see- seen that Leicester had drawn two all with Brighton, who are going well, new manager, fresh impetus there, top six or whatever they are at the minute, you'd think, yeah, go on, we'll take that point, um, especially off the back of the disappointment of 
exiting the League Cup and then the ultra disappointment of rolling over 2-0 to Forest. That three points was was massive that that got snatched away last minute against Brighton. So it's it's bad at the time. It's kind of then good for a few hours after goodish when you think oh well it's it's a points better than none, but then as you said when you look forward to what's coming up in the next few weeks you're thinking goodness me where genuinely where is our next point coming from last time we spoke on the podcast uh was 8th of january just after we'd uh, absolutely thrashed gillingham 1-0 um in the fa cup and we were saying look we need we need to get at least four points from our next couple of league games we've ended up with one point we said we wanted two or three faces in the squad, new new signings by about this time. We've got one who's probably not ready to play yet because he's only done about three weeks of pre-season because of the difference in the seasons in Denmark. So it's uh, we've got one more point than we had last time we spoke on the podcast. We've got one more player than we had last time we spoke on the podcast. But upcoming fixtures, no real upturn in form few bodies light still in the squad we're, we're still sitting here thinking come on give, give us something to grab hold of give us some kind of hope or positivity to work with because it's difficult to take however many positives there were from the Brighton game yeah it's uh again you look at those runner fixtures and you you look at the game against Fulham away at Forest and then at home against Brighton one point it's just not good enough now you mentioned the signing and the We've signed a player. Unbelievable. We've signed a player, Victor Christiansen, and word about him from Rogers. basically. He's not just one for now, but he's one for the future. A very bright boy. He says he's behind a little bit in terms of fitness, as you mentioned, because of the different season in Denmark. But even with that, he's actually turned up looking well. So he's going to be in the squad for the game against um, Warsaw. So you'd imagine he'd probably get a few minutes, depending on how the game's going. I don't quite know whether he'll start, um, but we'll see on, on Saturday. But at least they've got one through the door. Um, we'll come on to possible signings in a short while of who they've been linked with. But it it, it was disappointing to concede that goal because uh, on occasion, I know Brighton probably had the majority of play, but in the second half, you go in front by uh, through Harvey Barnes's goal and there were then chances to make it 3-1. And again, it's taken those chances. It's putting the ball in the back of the net. It's Leicester's issue at the moment. And the goal slightly was coming, wasn't it? They took... It seems to be the the, the case with Rodgers, whether it's just the fact that uh, he's been slightly unlucky, but the more times it happens, you look at it and go, well, actually, is it unlucky? Now, Vardy's run himself into the ground, but there's only four minutes to play. Now, if he's come to a complete standstill, then yes, okay. But again, a substitution, and then a goal is conceded straight away. Daka comes on for Vardy, not saying it's Daka's fault any way, shape or form. It's not quite in the Vestergaard um, coming on in injury time, and you, you know you can see it every time that happens. But then Ferguson scores. What is a very good goal, brilliant header. He looks a really exciting player. But it's just it happens too many occasions for it to be a coincidence. It's it's really is frustrating. And then fans go away from the ground, going, "Well, that's that's the part of the game that they remember," rather than Leicester having spells of very good play and unfortunately not finishing off chances that they've created and and players having more of a performance or turning up more 
that they have done in in recent games, and it's just very very frustrating. And again, is it Rogers' fault? Was it his fault? Overall, probably not, but it just leaves that sour taste in the mouth. Um, actually, it's Rogers' fiftieth birthday as we and record this today. Um, but again, it just happens again and again. I hear uh, a certain uh, Mr. Bielsa is uh, is in England at the moment, having some talks for a job that I would suggest is less appealing than than the Leicester City job. I don't want to sit here and talk for ages about Brendan Rodgers again because I think as a podcast, our stance, uh, while it's not right at the forefront of our minds, I personally don't think I've changed from uh, the, the podcast viewpoint that in an ideal world, Leicester would replace Brendan Rodgers. However, they would need to do so with the right person. And I'm not totally against the idea of him staying at the club uh, and overseeing the huge reshuffle, all the ins and outs and the transactions that are going to inevitably take place in the summer. Um, So, I mean, that's a proper fence-sitting answer, isn't it? But, you know, it, it does seem like tactically he makes some decisions that whether they lead directly or indirectly to the concession of a late goal or you know you could flip the uh, certain matches on their heads and when you see he, he, Leicester are a couple of goals down by 20-25 minutes you think look the approach here for whatever reason isn't right and is that down to uh, Rodgers being a, a sort of stickler for a certain tactic and a certain shape and, and, and insisting on playing that and then getting absolutely trounced upon in the first half uh, is he quick enough to make these decisions? Look, if he thinks Vardy's running out of gas against Brighton, like you said, don't do it five minutes before the end of the game. You know, do it 20 minutes before, get some fresh legs on there so that the, the players that are coming on can can get their way into the game. I, I always find football substitutions quite interesting because all you've got really is players that have been jogging up and down the touchline they never go through any kind of real intensity. They don't really sprint rather than a couple, uh, other than a couple of steps. They don't have the opportunity to get the ball out. So you're someone like Pats and Dacker. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you, Pete. I've not seen anything to indicate it's directly his fault. But he has not kicked, touched a football since sort of in, in 40-odd minutes. Let's say he's been knocking the ball around during the halftime break. He comes on 85 minutes or whatever. He hasn't touched a ball for 40 minutes. And he hasn't gone through anything like an intense warm-up with sprints, changes of direction, um, that go anywhere near replicating a, a match experience since probably about 20 minutes before the game kicks off. 20 minutes, 45 minutes, 65 minutes, 15 more minutes of half-time. That's what, 80 minutes. is quick maths going on here. 120 minutes. He's not gone through anything like a match experience in two hours and then he comes on when you're trying to hold on to a 2-1 advantage and I'm not singling Rogers out for this particular event I'm just I just I find football substitutions baffling because th- there are now some some um, teams that are getting substitution coaches that basically sort of go out along the touchline a little bit and they tell which players to do which kind of warm-ups and which kind of intensity but they're still not getting on the ball and they're still nowhere near ready to come into a, one of the fastest leagues in the in the world. 
but I, if I take it from my footballing experience, right, which is very, very limited and is completely amateur, if I've ever been on the bench um, and I've been brought on about 60 minutes or whatever because they're like, come on, you've stood here for 60 minutes, you get, you, you're get you freezing cold here, like you've paid your subs, get on the pitch for a bit. You go on, it takes you 10, 15 minutes just to get going and that's in slow amateur football but how how does a substitute especially a late one how do they come on and do anything useful in a game it's it, especially in terms of the fact that the Rogers system relies so heavily on pressing from the front it relies heavily on maintaining the shape because it's quite easy to pick off if if holes uh, start to appear what's what's he supposed to do Dakar or any any late sub for that reason for for that um well, that, yeah, that reason that, that they're just not ready to come on, are they? No, I mean, I can, I'm devil's advocate, and, and basically you can understand if, if all of a sudden they're pushing players forward and there's gaps in behind, right, bring some fresh legs on, some a quick forward like Dakar. He can then also run around and close down the opposition. He's got naturally more energy than Jamie Vardy's been playing for 86 minutes. But um, and, and, and you see it an awful lot. It's, it's happened in for years and years and years. Bring on... Fresh legs up front, so then, or even in midfield, whatever. Just in the last few minutes to close down players more. You know, you're hanging on to the game. We're under pressure. Uh, you, you got all the arguments really to do it. It's just, and and again, I'm not saying it's something that he. And I think you was saying the same. It's not something that he should not do, or shouldn't happen. It's just that every time it seems it does happen, Leicester then concede. So. If there's an issue there, maybe it's an issue further back with the actual players. It's not the substitution. It's actually the players who then react slightly differently to that player coming onto the field. It's It just happens so often at Leicester. It can't be coincidental. It's quite ridiculous. But then again, this is Leicester City of 2022-23. They are a slightly ridiculous side where on occasion they will look like the Leicester that we know, and it doesn't mean that they're in front or drawing with a side. They can still be losing, but all of a sudden it clicks, and they're the Leicester side that we know. Uh, bonuses from the game, the obvious bonus is seeing James Madison on the field. You feel that if Leicester are in a relegation scrap, which they are, you know, they, they really are, um, if they're going to be in a relegation scrap from now until the end of the season, he's going to play a huge role, an absolutely huge role in keeping Leicester in the Premier League. Um, what happens from then on? We don't know, but that's going to be vital. First thing, he needs to be at the club. As we stand here right now, Rob, doing the podcast, the third, I is it the thirty first for the transfer window? I'm I'm going to say January transfer window ends at the end of January. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'll look at that as I'm talking. Um, but he needs to stay at the club. One or two little whispers about being at so and so and being touted by other clubs. I think that's just general talk. Um, I don't think there's anything solid in that. If he does get time and there's an offer that comes in, uh, look in here. The January transfer window is open on the 1st of January. Closes 11 o'clock in England on Tuesday the 31st. So it actually does close on the 31st. I think the last transfer window didn't, did it? But um, So anyway, if he's still at the club, then he's going to be monumentally vital. And... He's going to play a pivotal role in keeping Leicester in the Premier League. I think everyone's kind of resigned to the fact that that's now the sole purpose of this season. There is the league campaign, which is keeping Leicester in the Premier League, and then there's the FA Cup, which is continuing this weekend. Um, 
and then we'll see what happens. Um, we'll have a much broader talk about the pyramid and and where Leicester sit in that pyramid and and the the top twenty being the Premier League and where we sit in terms of finances, etc. Um, I keep on banging on about uh, wages. It was interesting to see a, a, a league table of the uh, teams in Europe. The top teams in Europe, I think, have won trophies in their domestic leagues. And in Europe, just t- picking the top leagues and and where Leicester stand in terms of their turnover to um, wage ratio uh, from the excellent Swiss Ramble. And he, uh, he had Leicester as the second in the table in Premier League clubs and fourth in Europe. So it just shows you how high our wage bill is in percentage to our turnover of money. Um, Everton were the only English club above us, which you can all imagine, and what a mess they're in. So it just shows you Leicester are paying an awful lot in wages. There's a lot of players out there who need to be shipped out of the club before we can ever do something in terms of signing players. I've said all along, I think the money generally is there to sign players. Um, We've seen in the past players sign a la Wesley Fofana out of thin air. Uh, if the right player's there, we'll sign him. It's just at the moment the wage bill's so high. The Perez's needs to go. It looks like he will be on his way to one of maybe two or three Spanish clubs. And then hopefully someone like a Sonchu goes, if they do, we need to bring players in. Um, let, let's touch on the players that Leicester have been linked with. Um, what are your thoughts, Rob, on Suter then, the, the Australian at Stoke? the very tall centre-half, who played very well in the World Cup. Um, I remember seeing him live uh, in their game against uh, Argentina, was it, in the knockout stages? Um, I believe it was Argentina. Um, I think it was Argentina. Um, and it, and he looked he looked a decent player. He looked like a player who, because the World Cup, um, because it gives players more time, because they're given the ability to then pass the ball if you're a defender. Um, he looked like he's actually he looked like Johnny Evans, basically. He looked like a tall, commanding centre half who can actually play a bit. But because of his height, now don't get me wrong, height is always an advantage advantage in a team. You look at the land of the Giants up at Newcastle and the way that they're not conceding. I mean we were banging on. I think did I say about Pope? I said Pope would be my number one signing over the summer. If I could sign anyone, and it would, and this is before Schmeichel went, this is at the end of last season, Nick Pope, and it, he's not conceded a goal in ten games, ridiculous. And Gramerich said he's the best goalkeeper right now in the world. Who would argue with that? Absolutely fantastic goalkeeper, and um, and even though Danny Ward had a good game, actually, it's it's, it's a position we need to address. But Suter, I I think if we're going to have a player like him in the side then fine i uh, personally okay but only okay i think there's a there's a lot of question marks to answer with him but i just what are your thoughts being the um the expert on center halves <laughs> expert i'm not sure about that uh, i played my first 11 aside game in in 8 months at the weekend at uh, friend of the podcast stephen jameson's 30th birthday uh, I've lost whatever minimal talent I had. I can assure you of that. Oh, what happened there? Lord, what happened there? Because I mean, I, that's I. I wasn't there obviously because I was I was over here. Um, I, I had a second. There. I was like, why were I involved? Was there any uh, just just with that game? What, what was there any uh, any stories? Jamo scored 
uh, a goal where he latched onto a long ball from the keeper after a mistake from the defender. Let me add, he was on my team at this point. It was not my mistake. Uh, and then he turned the last man inside out, sat him down on his backside twice in the penalty area and then buried into the bottom corner, went off to the corner flag on his own on a 4G pitch in Nottingham uh, and gave it the big guns with the celebration. So that's that and a, a lad ended up in A&E after rolling his ankle in the first couple of minutes. But apart from that, it was all... <laughs> All good, and I I came through unscathed. Although I, I've I've lost any any half a yard of pace that I ever once might have possessed fifteen years ago. So you're probably at the pace of Harry Suter then. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. So Suter's he's an interesting one because you know at the club at the moment you've got a bloke that was playing reasonably regularly in the Premier League for Southampton and was uh, more often than not caught up to the Denmark squad in, in Yannick Vestergaard. You had Chala Suyuncu had a season, season and a half where he was absolutely unbelievable. Real, positive, aggressive defender. He can't he can't get a game, really, apart from the odd one where he wants to play three at the back or it's a cup game. So you look at Suter and you think, well, if you're prepared to go into an above 10 million, if that's the latest figure that I've seen that's been rejected, um, for a bloke who's already 25, then there must be something there. And I'll tell you what I like about a championship defender. It's that, first and foremost, you have to know how to defend in the championship because I think there are more football-playing sides in that division than ever before. But it's still one that's notoriously difficult to string results together in. It's one where you get all sorts of different strikers. You might get some from... uh, different leagues where they have different styles of play you might have a quick one you'll have a technical one you'll have a finisher but you'll still have those old-fashioned battering rams of center forwards and he he looks like the kind of center back that deals reasonably well with all of those but my problem would be is if you sign him now and you put him straight in at center back with Walt Fass then are you looking at those two and thinking these lads have got what it takes to drag us out of this relegation scrap? Because you've then got a relatively inexperienced Belgian fella who has blown fairly hot and cold since he's come to Leicester. Uh, and you've got, yes, Harry Suter who plays international football for Australia, uh, but he's coming from the championship. You know, is it is it the most inspiring of signings when... Last week, you were talking about this 30, 40 million pound Argentinian winger. Um, this, you know, these these kind of players that you're talking about, or at least Christensen's only 20 and he's he's got, um, you know, he's got some sort of potential. Rogers has said it's a, it's a signing for uh, for a longer term as well as now. Is, is it a little bit underwhelming to bring someone in like Suter? Possibly, but you would hope that with his size at Stoke, no nonsense team have been for decades, international experience. You would, you would think that he's, that he's first and foremost, a defender who's going to try and keep the ball out of the net because since we last spoke on the podcast, we conceded six goals, lost two, drawn one. It's, it's clearly, yes, scoring goals is, is important for winning games, but you know, we proved uh, and uh, in in the time that we won the Premier League, you, you build on the solid foundations, you can win a game 1-0. You concede a goal, uh, all of a sudden you've got to score two to win a game and we don't look like scoring one at the minute at, at Brighton aside. So 
yeah, I mean, we, we need a centre-back, let's be honest, and we need one that Rogers likes more than Vestergaard and Siunchu, otherwise we're going to be stuck with Amati and Fass and Johnny Evans with one calf for the rest of the season, and that's probably not going to keep us in the Premier League, let's be brutally honest, not with Danny Ward behind them. And you've got to look at somebody like Maguire as well, who played championship football up to his early to mid-twenties before he got a break in the Premier League, uh, or certainly at a reasonable decent club like ours so you you could find some parallels with that I always think centre-backs tend to peak a few years later than their counterparts further up the field so it may well be that he's got this experience now now he's 25 it's the time for him to make the next step because he could have as a as a centre-back probably eight years left in him at the at the top possibly nine so maybe he's he's sort of now it's his time to make that step up and ultimately until you chuck him in at centre back you never know do you your last point is exactly what I was going to mention he turns he turns 25 in October so um so he's 24 25 in October a 6 foot 6 he's not played an awful lot of football i know he had a bad injury um which probably knocked whatever pace he's uh, he had a knee injury not whatever pace he had um, out of him but it's that last point you made which I will kind of cling on to with, with, with the signing. First of all, I'm pretty underwhelmed because it looks like this isn't just a room. This is It looks like it's going to be done. It's just the, the haggling over a few million. Um, I'm not worried about the fee if it's £12 million, pounds, £10 million, pounds, okay. But um, it's. I thought it's pretty underwhelming. I don't necessarily want just names, etc. But um, I, I was initially pretty worried. But then that last point it was exactly the way I was thinking. Maguire's a great example. Um, why can't someone like Suter come into the Premier League on the back of the World Cup using that experience that he got and also the the realisation that actually he is? Maybe it's just that confidence he needed. So that, yes, he is actually an excellent player. And coming into a side like Leicester and a club like Leicester with what they've done over recent times and saying, you know, you're the man, you're the man that we want to be alongside Volt Vass, to be the big man at the back, to dominate the back line and let Volt do his thing, be the passer of the ball, be be the person who doesn't have to be the main guy. You know, you're coming on, not saying that because you're tall, it means that you are the man, but it looks like that he, he will take that responsibility. Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully that's the case. And if so, great. Um, we know he can play the back three, but whether it's going to be a back two, you'd probably say so with Rodgers. And and there we go. Um, so maybe it is that chance. I think it's a bit of a risk. I think it's a, a, a real risk, really. Um, but players out there can go through poor bits of form when they've been playing nicely. And, and there were signings that we earmarked. Look at the two centre-halves at, at Everton, for example, Tarkovsky and, and Cody, two signings that we would have been lauding. And they played half-decent for Everton and now they, they're just completely gone as a partnership and the whole teams and clubs are a mess. Um, maybe just off the field things rather than, than themselves on the field. So who knows? Fingers crossed it works out. Um, also, then the other link, and again, these aren't just links they are by all um all known journalists who who we kind of follow and and we trust and if they say yes there are genuine interests etc with these players and then then we'll start talking about them rather than just any player that's been linked um 
and Jack Harrison up at uh, up at Leeds. Now, again, a player where as soon as this was mentioned, um, I was quite underwhelmed actually. Um, seen him play quite often. He's twenty six. He's a bit older than I thought he was. Um, I think he's a good player. I, I think he really is a good player. But I would not have him anywhere near a targeted signing. I know his contract's running down and it's been very quiet in terms of any fee that would be a possibly agreed with Leeds. But he he, he, come, he comes across as me as a, a, a real underwhelming, dangerous signing because I think there could be players in the club who are better and I think there could be a fair bit of money spent on a player who, again, I just can't see being that player who can really kick us on in that position. He could turn out to be a very solid signing if he does turn up, but I'm just worried about the amount of money we could sign, uh, we could spend on a guy. Now, on the flip side, you're getting a ready-made Premier League player who you've pretty much got no problems with because we've seen him perform. So it might be just a change of system, a change of club, kicks him on to another level. And I'm playing devil's advocate with myself here. But at the moment, I'm I'm definitely not that person who goes, oh, Tete from Shakhtar Donetsk, who's been in Leon, like a young Brazilian winger. Oh, fantastic. He's going to be a superstar. Like, I mean, Forrest have signed that midfielder. And before he'd even kicked a ball in these millions, he's basically going to win the Ballon d'Or. Um, I'm not overly that person who just is, is is blinded by the name of a, a Brazilian winger. I've played championship manager or football manager for t- <laughs> for so many years up until recent times. I'm I know that these these signings quite often don't work out. So um Harrison from Leeds to Leicester. A ye- a yes or a no before before you then carry on Rob. A yes or a no it's a no from me. It's a no from me as well, and I'll tell you my main sticking point with this is the fact that I've seen a a fee being mentioned. Whether you know how much you believe, oh go on, you, you don't you don't know for sure. I've seen thirty five million. Oh yeah, Whoa. you've just yeah. wind, you've just winded me with that. I've winded you from Sheffield to Sweden with with one number. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, you don't know how much truth there is in that, and you don't know whether that's that's how much the deal might be worth in total, and it won't be that much initial outlay whatever but if that's the case the answer is is absolutely no from me because you look at him and you and you think he's got certain traits that that might offer us more down the right hand side than others you know he he played very well in a Bielsa system that required him to be highly energetic quick up and down the pitch um and I think that is absolutely something that we are hugely lacking down the right-hand side in, in, in forward areas. Everybody that's played there, well, nobody that's played there has got any pace, full stop. Madison always wanted to come inside. Perez always wanted to come inside. Uh, Dennis Pratt always wanted to come inside. Mark Brighton stays wide, but he's never going to beat a man 1v1. So, you know, I don't know if Harrison... I've not seen enough of him to comment personally but I don't I, he doesn't strike me as somebody that is that is like the ultimate 1v1 ball carrier he strikes me as more of what you might have called um I guess an old-fashioned winger one that's going to stay wide get up and down uh and put in the hard yards 
uh, and and that would that would work because Rogers clearly wants to press higher than than he's able to at the moment. Uh, he, he's clearly favouring this four three three, which I think if you've got somebody playing as an an out right sided attacker then that would free up space in the middle for somebody like Madison to play at the at the top of a of a trio of central midfielders and and therefore he would be definitely in position rather than out of position on the right hand side it it strikes me as a little bit of a oh my goodness me we are so desperate for a right winger we're going to go for this fella uh, and it brings me it brings another player back to my mind it brings to mind the question of why on earth and how on earth did we not cobble together some kind of deal to get Adamola Lookman because in in the summer because he'd had some time at Leicester we'd seen him in and out of in and out of form but but largely effective never afraid to take his man on looked after the ball really well for quite a small lad and it, it seemed like a deal that was that would fit all parties and now he's gone to become like bloody best player in the world at Atalanta, scoring however many goals, getting however many assists, um, being part of their record-breaking side of however many goals they scored in the last game. You know, what that that passed us by. The the opportunities, I, I, you don't know if Leicester were ever in the mix for somebody like Nick Pope or Tarkowski or somebody like that, but these signings pass us by and then you end up talking about a Stoke centre-back and a Leeds right winger who probably isn't any much isn't much better than what we've got at the minute for for thirty five million quid. The only thing I say with Harrison is that if you think of um, and I'm putting Vardy down the middle in number nine, Vardy at nine behind him you've got Madison to the left you've got Barnes to the right you've got Jack Harrison. So you have got four English forwards now. <laughs> that's if they all click. And I'm to, I'm talking uh, away from the pitch as well. They all real click and and they become real good mates, etc. And you never know; it could really spark this player, who's obviously a good player, but it it could spark extra in him. And uh, you never know; it could work. Thirty. I honestly, I've not heard a fee at all mentioned. Thirty-five million quid. No way. Um, it's 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 so difficult to to do a podcast when talking about players because end of the day we don't know you know they could really kick into life they could be flops who knows um the one thing with Suter is, of course is the height and I mentioned height in the Leicester team an awful lot but uh but yeah height height is certainly a very very important factor in in for him being a center half as well but especially in Leicester's team so Harrison it's, it's just again I'm just slightly underwhelmed if he turns up and he's fantastic then then great the only thing with Luckman is it's twofold, really. First of all, we had him for a whole season and Rogers would have seen him for a whole season. And they've obviously come to the decision that it's a no. Now, he's gone on to do brilliantly in, in Italy. And we all knew there was a good player there. I, I Again, if it was a £12 million signing, I can't believe that they wouldn't have gone for it. But it's not like they didn't see enough of him. They had him for an entire season. He could have done better. They saw him in training every... It's one of them where you've kind of just got to go, well, they. It, it's 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 obviously it was a no. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's something that the club have done. 
it, it was either they were asking for too much money or they put their heads together and gone no um and so we've got to kind of put our hands in the air if it was a case of a six-month signing or or is it loan for three months and they decided they didn't see enough of him and he's gone on to do this thing then there you go or, or even if rogers if he leaves leicester or he, he randomly mentions him which of course he won't and he then turns around and says yeah i really wanted Lookman, but apparently we couldn't afford his his wages etc then then obviously then that's a problem with the recruitment and the and and the looking after the 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 playing squad essentially from a financial basis and that would be terrible if that's the case i just believe it's a case of we've got to trust the manager on this one and at the time that was the call and fair play to the lad he's gone on and done really well at another club who knows whether that would have been the case at leicester he could have still been a, a flop it's it's a very awkward situation to kind of look at from afar um Away from those signings that Gonzalez were mentioned, that's all gone quiet, hasn't it? And then away from that, there's there's not really been anything. I can't believe that there will not be activity between now and the thirty first with Leicester. Um, I'm thinking loan. I, I just I just think if they do get rid of a Perez and maybe one more goes, one of the big earners. Let's just for the podcast sake say Soyuncu goes. So they bring in Suter, which I think is looks like it's going to be the case because surely if you're him, you turn up at Leicester. So it's an okay from his point of view. So it's going to be a yes from the player's point of view. Uh, if they can agree a fee, which it sounds like it's going to be the case with, with Stoke, then it'll be okay. So that that surely will go through. Um, Perez goes, and then another player goes off the wage bill. So there's enough on the wage bill then to bring in a certain player. Surely at Leicester, they're going to do that. Now, whether it's a fee or whether it's going to be a loan signing... Um, First of all, they need to, don't they, Rob? It's not they can't just sit back and have this one signing suitor. They need to bring in at least a winger. Um, would there be anywhere else in the squad where you would like to see another signing? Everywhere, yeah. <laughs> uh, goalkeeper, no goalkeeper is number one, I think. Um, but I, I, I think it would be a brave move to make that change in in January. Uh, you know, there's there's talk about potentially somebody like Dubravka recalled to Newcastle. Has he been recalled so that they they, they freed him up to to sell him on or move, or move him on? Possibly. Um, he he would he wouldn't be assigning to say right. This is long term though, would he? And and I don't see unless he's not happy with just playing the cup games at Manchester United. I don't see. The, he would go somewhere else on loan, and, and I don't know how that would benefit anybody. So, if Newcastle have recalled him to to sell him, then it's a it's um it's not necessarily a long term sale for for a club like Leicester. Does uh, you know if if I if I was looking at it, I would potentially think about bringing him in on I don't know an eighteen month deal and saying, look, mate, we can guarantee you number one status till the end of the season. And then after that, we'll see what happens. Uh, he might take that at his stage, uh, uh, the stage of his career. Who knows? Um, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a centre back. But the thing is, if if Suter comes in and Soyuncu goes out, I, I genuinely think there's still a, an opportunity there to to bring in another centre back because not only would that mean that you're not relying on someone like Daniel Amati to play every Premier League game. You're not relying on Johnny Evans to be off the treatment table anytime soon. Um, you've got options there to play two, but then if every, all of those players are fit, then you can play uh, a three 
because I think my other issue is the fact that if you if we do get a right winger in, but then someone like Perez goes, then you're still down to just one option on the right hand side other than playing a midfielder there rather than a winger. So you could then with Ricardo potentially returning, with Christiansen hopefully getting up to speed relatively soon, you've then got more options in a fullback to wing back role. Um, so I would, I would, do you know, do you know, I, I would genuinely take a player in any position. I think it, it would be easier to say a position where I don't think we need to sign anybody in the next few days, and that would be in the centre of midfield. I would genuinely take anybody else that can play anywhere else, as long as they're decent. Yeah, well, that's that's the point. I think um, it, it's it's disappointing, first of all, that we're in this position. We've not been in this position for an awful long time, where we've been down towards the bottom of the league and we're talking about players coming in on loan at the end of the transfer window to boost the squad or to fill in gaping holes in the squad. It's it's normally the opposite. Oh, can we improve these positions? But it's the where, where we are. Uh, with me, I think, and I think it might be the case with Leicester as well and a number of clubs, it will be loan signings. And it will be loan signings uh, not with a view to a move, which seems to be the new kind of thing over the last couple of years um maybe you could agree a fee and say well this would be the fee if we decide to go ahead with the deal i think jenkins under was that case uh i don't know whether it was a case with adam and lookman i don't believe it was um it was just touted around that that's how much it would cost so but there's one club out there which you can look at in the premier league and go surely first of all they're gonna have to get rid of players um, and a lot of them will more than likely be sent out on loan because they want to. They won't be able to sell them now. Uh, there's too little time, and it would be to a club like Leicester who are not a direct rival, unfortunately. Uh, although it's not too far up the table, and that's Chelsea, who have decided to. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how, but. I know people out there will, will, will know and understand. It's essentially they've been because they've been bought out for 1.5 billion of whatever they've um, paid off their debts and and for some reason with FFP they've they can sign anyone in the world and it just seems like Bowley, the new owner, has just gone right. We're gonna buy any player pretty much under the age of 24 who is touted as the next big thing or is the best player in certain league etc around the world it's amazing what they've done really or what they're doing it's absolutely amazing if you look at their squad it's just ridiculous i'm just going to just quickly go down their squad and just go first of all wesley favana remember him um you got uh, but actually the new center half what was he 40 million um you've got uh, kukurea was an awful lot of money uh, further down signings as uh, Zachariah came in for a lot of money this is all this season you, um, Chuck Wemper from Villa if you may remember that was a, a few quid for the youngster um, obviously Sterling they've signed Mudrick the what 85 million uh, Madruke the, the winner, winger from PSV remember him he was linked with Leicester last season when we were playing him he looked excellent a bit off and on but you know they, they've signed him from absolutely nowhere Jao Felix he came in uh, Aubameyang uh, the other Fafana it, it, and then they're linked with every other player in the world essentially uh, the midfielder from um, Brighton looks like he's probably going to go there for a, 
you know, unbelievable amount of money. It's just phenomenal what they're doing. Now, it's it, it does it stink? I don't know. Um, it's I don't understand. They've obviously looked at the rules and gone right for some reason, and I don't you know. We can just do this. So we're going to basically buy a whole new team. They've brought in Potter and go, right, this is the squad that you're going to be given. You're going to be given all these players. It's your job to kind of sort it out. Um, amazing, really. But from that, surely there's going to be a lot of senior footballers at that club who are not going to be given a place in their Premier League squad because they're going to have to re-announce their Premier League squad, aren't they? Um and they're going to be given, surely, time away from the club on loan. Now, Leicester, just up the road, would be a bang ideal club for these players to go to. There will be loads of teams sniffing around these players. It's a big shame that he's injured. Brozier, I think, would be an excellent signing for Leicester. I really would do. Um, maybe one for the summer. I know he's injured. That's a real shame. But looking down... Um, a lot of these will be names that are just too fanciful, but I'm just talking about players who are surely not going to be featuring heavily in the, in the starting lineup. They've been basically going to be replaced. Um, someone like Pulisic wouldn't come to Leicester. I know Ziyech exactly the same. Um, but you're looking further down. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, what's he been thinking with this? In centre midfield, an ideal signing. Conor Gallagher, again, more than likely would go on loan unless someone comes in with a ready-made bid for him in the next few days. There's got to be questions there. Um, even some of the younger players, Lewis Hall, again, a younger player, a left-back, surely a loan signing, because I know he's been playing. He's actually been, been forced into the first team with a number of injuries. But when players come back, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, for example, surely his game time is going to be limited. And now they've got Kukurea as well. Um and I know bringing in a young player like that, surely that there will be players at Leicester who go, hang on, we, we've got our own youngsters. But it seems like it would be be ideal. Um, Chalibur as well, what's he thinking about all this centre-half? It's There's a lot of players in that squad who will be looking at loan signings. Now, that's Chelsea. There's going to be other clubs in exactly the same position. Um, if they do bring in players towards the end of this transfer window, then there will be players in that squad that we can maybe pick up. One player in particular, <laughs> he, he he won't obviously, but Kante, you know, it, whether he's going to be in their starting lineup, we don't know. But obviously, he's uh, he's just too good for Leicester still. So, what would your thoughts be on that, Rob? I, I, at the moment, I just think Leicester, with their setup, with their training ground, with the locality to a lot of these clubs, etc. It's a very, very nice place to go out on loan for a few months before the end of the season so you can get some game time and then you can then move on from a big club like Chelsea. It probably won't be to Leicester. Who knows? It might be, but it would advertise your skills to the wider world to say, look, you're fit, you're ready, you're playing well, here you go. Um I never like Leicester to be in the position to do that. I want us to be signing players to play for Leicester who will boost the squad, who will uh, be better than the first team. But I just think at the moment, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, it's needs must, isn't it? We've Like like you said, the, the only objective now for this season is to keep Leicester City above 18th in the Premier League. That That's it. The, the rest of it's out the window. Beat Walsall or lose to Walsall on, on Saturday, whatever. 
the, the FA Cup is is of no real consequence. It, it could, um, as it has done in previous seasons for different clubs, it could provide a bit of a distraction. It could help generate some momentum. Fine, but every every focus has got to be on getting enough points to stay in the Premier League. It is absolutely vital to the club's model going forward. I think it's absolutely vital to stay in the Premier League for the the ground redevelopment to to keep going. You'd lose a lot of players. You'd lose a lot of the hard work that's gone in to things in the in the last five, six, seven years, whatever. Um, it, it would be a, a pretty much a disaster. It would be it would be a disaster, Rob. It would be it would be a disaster. It's not an Everton. Everton Everton going down or a club like that and then bouncing back. It 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 might be exactly what they need. Yes, off the field, and there's no guarantee that you will, you'll bounce back again. But like for Leicester. I think Leicester are different to a lot of clubs. It would be an absolute nightmare. It would be it would be really very, very bad in the long term and short term of the football club. Even if they go and win the championship but with hundred and ten points the next season, it still would be bad because surely a lot of the as you said, off the field stuff, etc., it would all be on hold and who knows what could happen. But yeah, relegation is just not a thing. That that reform the club reform the playing side and then come back up with a no not not at Leicester for other clubs maybe but not Leicester it's frustrating because everything else see, is seemingly well, remains in place for Leicester to be a Premier League club and you've got to now put every focus into getting the results on the pitch and getting the players in that are going to help you do that in the short term you know it's all well and good saying Christiansen signed as a long term investment for the club Um Suitor, maybe you might say, or he might be in and out of the team for the next few months, but then, then he'll settle in and he'll become a, a long-term solution at centre back. Fine, whatever. But we need a couple of players that are going to come in and go. Bosh, I'm straight in the first team, and if I'm not, I am pushing the lad that's got the shirt as hard as possible because I think that's that's a huge part of our of our issue on the on the field. It is that no, not enough players are looking over their shoulders. So you you bolster the squad with players that have. Premier League experience. Ruben Loftus-Cheek's an interesting one because I think he, he he splits opinion. He's got everything about him to to be a, a world-class footballer, but he reminds me a lot of somebody like Bubakari Samari. He's, he's big, he's strong, he's quick, he's physical, he's tidy with his feet, but does he do that for 90 minutes? Is he switched on enough for 90 minutes? Does he put the graft in? I, I don't know. So that one would have to be carefully looked at. But, you know, someone like a Chalaba who got... Dragged up from the the development squad was it last season when there were a couple of centre back injuries, uh, played out of his skin, kept his place. He's played centre back, right back, uh, right side of a three, and holding midfield in the times that I've seen him in a Chelsea shirt. And and yes, that's reasonably few in terms of his of his first team experience. But look at the players they've got. Like you said, you've reeled them all off there. If Chalaba's looking at this thinking, my my career could stall very quickly here. He'll have watched, as as he's grown up in the Chelsea Academy uh, and his brother a few years uh, before him, he'll have watched the infinite number of players that Chelsea sign, put in the development squad, send out on loan, bring them back, do a bit of pre-season with them, and you're thinking, oh, come on, this is my time at Chelsea. Get sent off on loan again. Come back, you know. Look at Baba Ramen. Look at Kennedy. Look at you know. You could you could reel off 
hundreds of these players over the last few years for Chelsea. And Chalobah might be looking at that thinking, hang on, they've not paid big money for me here. I'm just a sort of humble academy lad. I might need to, to get out before I'm kind of become stale, really. And if Graham Potter's looking at this thinking, I've bought this centre-back, that centre-back, this centre-back, then sign this kind of player, Chalobah. Um, and it might well be that he just comes for the short term, fine. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because that is, in terms of the player, a short-term decision. In terms of a, the contract, a short-term decision. But in terms of keeping Leicester City in the Premier League, that's number one objective for the long term. So you go about it however you need to. Absolutely. And it could be one I, I would be perfectly in favour of loftus G. I think he would be an excellent signing for Leicester. I think he's exactly the sort of player we could do with. I, I completely take your your uh, viewpoints on him um, and absolutely, but I just think he's a step step above what we've got. He's just that step above. Also, he can play in various positions. It would two, Both of them would be ideal signings. The the one thing with um, Chalibur is that he's actually on a, he's got a long term contract at Chelsea. He's got four and a half years left on his contract. There's a few out there like Loftus Cheek who's got one more year, so that could easily be a signing where you know he's looking and looking at moving on. And then if he's at Leicester, then you never know. Uh, it's it, there'll be a lot of players like that. Um, I, I would take anyone really. I would take them to and a Gallagher. I know Gallagher does he want to be going on loan again? He had that fantastic loan uh, spell at what Palace, wasn't it? And he's played quite a bit for Chelsea. It's not quite worked out back at Chelsea, but the, 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 not many players have worked out at Chelsea this season. It's been a bit of a mess. I don't know whether he'd want a loan. I think he'd probably want to, if he's going to go, he's going to go. But I'd, I'd imagine he would probably want to stay at uh, at Chelsea and it'll, it'll cost an awful lot of money. And in would would he fit in the side? Of course he would, but you know he's going to play in that position, which is Madison. But I I just look at that squad, and I'm using Chelsea as a big example. And I know there's a few players we could pick up, but there's other squads out there which is similar, and I just take them. And and the position that Leicester are in, they're not going to be a rival to these clubs. They're going to be cup tied if they're going to be um, playing against each other in the in the FA Cup. So that's not a problem, and. In the league, it doesn't really matter. I can't. I mean, why? Why? Um, if he wants to leave Leeds, then I, I can understand obviously Leicester. But why would Leeds want to sell a player to Leicester who are a direct rival for relegation? Which is a sad thing to say. But overall, I can see quite a lot of movement between now and the transfer window closing. And if it means that we're one of those clubs who pick up these players on loan, so be it. And also, if that means one or two players are then pushed out of the Premier League squad. There we go. That's that's just the way it is. And then we start again next season um, with a changed squad, a changed first team, and, and who knows, maybe a different manager. That's all to come. Now, looking at the game on Saturday, Rob, uh, Warsaw away in the league, in the FA Cup. It's, it's a game Leicester should win. It's a very, very simple thing to say. It's a game Leicester should win. It's a game Leicester should win comfortably. It's a game I expect Leicester to win comfortably as well. Um, I'd imagine they'll put out a pretty strong side. Um, I can't imagine them not. Mainly because with the fixtures as they are, they play against Warsaw on Saturday. They then next play at 3 o'clock away at Aston Villa on 
the 4th, which is a Saturday. They then play away, uh, sorry, home against Tottenham on the 11th. And then it's the 19th, and if they're in the Cup, probably a Cup game, etc. So it's not like they're going to be saving players because of tired legs. Um, I can't see any reason why they just can't play their first team. Uh, and then if they do, surely it should be just a comprehensive, safe 2-0 win. It should, but I wouldn't have used the word comfortable in the 1-0 win against Gillingham. <laughs> so, <laughs> by recent no, experience, no. Uh, it should be a comfortable win. Uh, it will be a win. I, I genuinely, I can't I can't see Leicester losing to Walsall. But then again, I couldn't necessarily foresee this, this kind of season coming. So, what what do I know? Um, it, yeah, it has to be the strongest side. There's There's no doubt about that. Uh, whether you tweak one or two little areas where you where you put Everson in goal, um, I think the main focus has to be getting us into a position where we can get some minutes into the legs of players that are going to play a key role in these upcoming matches in the Premier League. Someone like um, Madison needs to come through unscathed and he needs a, a decent amount of minutes. Christiansen is going to feature in the squad, which, you, I mean, you'd suggest that he's going to get on the pitch at some point. There'd be no point otherwise in in saying very clearly in the press that he's going to be in the matchday squad. So we expect to see the new signing at some point uh, on the left-hand side. And, and poor Luke Thomas needs a break. I think he's been a bit overwhelmed with the amount of games he's needed to play this season. So hopefully they can sort of almost job share at left-back, really, two younger younger lads um, still finding the feet, you know, Christian. So it'd be just good to see him in a Leicester shirt, get him on the ball. Obviously, League Two opposition is very different to to playing in the Premier League against world class wingers. But you know, he's got to start somewhere, and it's a competitive game with the other players who are going to be in the first team. You might see the odd little player, the, the odd little cameo from players like McAteer and Brunt, but I can't see in this situation, like you said, because of how the fixtures pan out over the next few weeks. I can't see any reason why those players would need to start the game because it's now a case of get the starting lineup pretty much out there against Walsall. If you want to try a couple of different things, go for it, but otherwise go for pretty much bang on your, your best team. And then you've got, if you include a rest day before and after the next couple of games, you've got five solid days on the training ground there to really get into, first of all, uh, finding a shape and a tactic that's going to that's gonna beat Aston Villa. Uh, it's, it's, it's virtually a must-win game against Villa because we could we could be pretty much bottom of the league by, by 5.30 on Saturday, uh, next Saturday, that is. So you've got to use this Warsaw game as, as, a, as a starting point and say, right, this is it. Train all week off off the back of that, um, off the back of this comfortable win against Walsall, and then take that similar personnel into Aston Villa the following week, and just try and get some consistency um, with positions, formations, and 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 uh, and and sort of tactics to to just. I think that's it. I think Leicester just need to start being more solid, and that comes from stability, structure and consistency. And if you start chopping and changing against Walsall, you're not going to get that because Villa's the first game in this in this run then. The, the, the hard work 
in terms of finding a team that's going to win football matches in whatever way, shape or form has to begin on Saturday. So you've got to play your strongest team. Yeah, I, I can't see any reason why they can't play the strongest team. I'd imagine Everson might, might play in goal apart from that strongest team. It's a shame that the suitor deal hasn't been done as yet because that would have been a perfect game for him to pull on the blue shirt to, to start his Leicester career. Um, Christensen, I'd imagine, will more than likely come off the bench and, and someone like Thomas will start. But uh, yeah, apart from that, it has to be the starting lineup. Maybe Inacho gets a run because he scores in the FA Cup. We know that. Um, when it comes to these one-off games and cup competitions, Inacho's the man. Maybe he might even get a, a start in the Premier League. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, now, score, Rob. I'm going to go. I'll go first. I'm going to go for a... I'm going to be quite positive, actually. I think maybe late on we'll score a few. I'm going to go 3-0. Looking at our defence and the fact that Walsall will be bang up for it, uh, I'm going to go 3-1. To us, can I just clarify, to Leicester. So 3-1 and then um, and then obviously we'll move on to the uh, to the Villa game and uh, we can preview that next week. Um, FPL time. Now, we did have a, a message. I'm making an apology. I forgot about the FPL. That's exactly my fault. Uh, that was me last time. Completely forgot. So, uh, Viva Tom on uh, Twitter. <laughs> Oi, you guys not doing a fancy league anymore? Twice I managed to crack the top 10 and twice you've skipped over it. Sorry, Tom. Uh, there is a Tom in the top 10. I don't know whether it's you. Hopefully it is. Uh, let's do the top 10, Rob, of the For Fox 8 podcast FPL League. <laughs> Right then, let's take a look at these top 10. I've not seen this for a while, so it might take a while to read these out. In 10th place, rising to 10th place on 1,293 points, it's Tim Rook um, with T Rook Your Stars. What's that? T Rook Your Stars. Whatever. Uh, he's got capital letters and sing and uh, lowercase letters all mixed up, Tim. Never mind. You're in the top 10 anyway. In 9th place, falling to 9th, Jack R. 1,297 points with Emerson Blues. Uh, down into 8th place is Aman Gulati, uh, 1,298 points with Team Dalek. With up into 7th place, 1,299 points, Ryan Gallagher with a Marty Party. Uh, in 6th place, uh, staying in 6th place, it's Adam Wise on 1,300 points. So only a few points split in those teams uh, with back of the Neto. Top 5, down in 5th place, 1,304 points. Is Emmanuel Naraku with TBGFC uh, up into fourth place with 1306 points? It's Olivia Tooney with Schmeichel Jackson. What well, a great name, Schmeichel Jackson. I've not seen that as a team name before. That's great, even though he's now left. Uh, into the top three and up into third place, it's Joe Healy with 1308 points. Uh, Vardy Annuals. Uh, remaining in second place, it's uh, Tom uh, Stringward. So hopefully that's you, uh, Tom, with 1,322 points uh, for Farnarama. And then uh, in top place is uh, Liam Squires. Uh, and he's on 1,331 points with Vasco uh, To be honest, the top 10, Rob, there's not a lot between them. What, seven points there? So 38 points split the top 10 teams. Not a lot between those. Now, if I scroll down, 
I'm looking for your name and my name. I'm not entirely sure where I am. Talk amongst yourselves. Here we You're go. You're going to see yourself first. Right, oh, okay then. You're 25 points ahead of me. You're in 59th. Oh, there with, I am. With uh, 1,220 points. Yep. I've had a good week this week. I'm in 86th with 1195. You've had a decent week there. You've been in the 80s. I got uh, 78 this week, which was, I thought, fairly reasonable. But you've, uh, of course, got a few better with 81. Yeah, it's a slightly different league for me this year because I'm I'm in a league with friends and it's we've changed it into a head-to-head league. So you're taking on the opposition and um, I'm second in the league, actually. I'm doing really well, but... You approach it slightly differently. That is a complete excuse, obviously. That I'm just just a cop out, really. But yeah, not a lot. So I'm on uh, not a lot between the top ten, twelve hundred and twenty. So I'm a fair way off the top ten, actually. Yeah, never mind. Um, so that's the top ten. Uh, Glasgow Celtic, Liam Squires at the top, but uh, yeah, I see he's got a little bit of a lead of uh, nine points. But uh, I'm sure the rest will be able to be able to catch him up. And uh, we'll be doing that every single week then on the podcast uh, without fail, he says. Probably going to forget next time. So that's it, Rob. Um, really, it's a it's a case of let's see what happens. Obviously, the game on Saturday, exciting, FA Cup, etc. Good tie. Hopefully, they get through. And then what can they do in the transfer window? Who can come into the club? I'd imagine I'm going to go for a few loan, loan signings. What's your prediction, Rob? I'm, I'm going to say then, okay, I'm going to say Leicester are going to sign Suter. I don't think they're going to sign a winger permanently. They may come up with some winger on loan from whoever knows Ville that we've not mentioned and that's not been previously mentioned so far. We never really touched on um, Tete, the the young uh, Brazilian, because, again, it's just been a link so far. We'll wait and see. I think they may bring in a winger, but it will be someone that we've not mentioned so far or has not been mentioned uh, in the in the rumorverse. And I'm also going to say we're going to pick up one or two players from the likes of Chelsea or some of the sides higher in the league who sign these players. I'm going to go with Chelsea. I'm going to say one or two may may come our way. I would love it to be 10 in, 10 out. Uh, but I think that's a summer job. Um, I think more realistically, I would hope for something like two out and three or four in like you've suggested there. But, but I think having seen what what uh, sort of how how our last few transfer windows have stalled quite considerably i'm i'm going to go for two in two out it's going to be a center back and a lone winger i think i think you're right along those lines and it's probably going to be a center back and a winger that that make way for them and i think it's going to be straight swaps couple in couple out but at least there'll be players that rogers actually wants in the team and are therefore either players that are going to come in and improve the quality of the team or at least give the lads that are in the positions already a bit of a run for the money. I think fresh faces do make uh, a big difference like that, in that way. Well, there we go. That's our prediction. What do you reckon? Get in contact with us here at Fox 8. Get in contact with us via Twitter at FFSpod. That's where you can get hold of us. It's the best way, really. You can email, if you like, uh, which is for fox8podcast at gmail.com. And I'll come through to us. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and give us a like as well when it comes to however you listen to this podcast. Give us a like because apparently it really does help. It does actually. It gives us a, a bit of a boost when it comes to uh, ratings, etc., on football lists and uh, lists as you listen, podcasts, etc. So that's what you need to do. And what Leicester needs to do is beat Warsaw this weekend and sign some bloody players. Mm-hmm.